listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back at Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. So, okay, Dr. Gordon, you know about how in the news lately there were these three pit bull attacks in Surrey. And a couple of years ago there was a dog killed. They called it a service dog, a little foo-foo dog in Maple Ridge. Do you remember all that? I'm sure you've, yeah, you've read about it. Well, um, so there was an attack on a little dog. And the two dogs that are guilty of that attack and, and were actually convicted and I believe um, the owners and the dogs relocated and left town. There seem, this is what I understand of the story. So these two pitbulls in a yard, they're always in this yard where they lived all the time. And they're the ones who are guilty of killing this little dog that was in the news. They sell their house. And the new owners, who are terrific people, have a dog who is a mutt, tro- total mutt, happens to look a little bit like a pitbull, same color as the other two. They move him into the yard, and the neighbors start freaking out. Everybody thinks it's this other dog still there. The neighbors start acting weird. All of a sudden, their sweet dog who loves everybody is starting to act weird, right? Because it comes two ways. Anyway, so I have to meet this dog after he's already suspicious of everybody, had a few incidents, kind of becoming the pariah of the neighborhood when he used to be the the happy-go-lucky dog park dog of the neighborhood. The people relocated onto this lot because it borders on a dog park near a dike and where all the dogs go because their dog loves dogs. And now they've got this situation. And I meet this dog and I gradually introduce him because now he's been picked on and, you know, hated and, and he's all stressed out. I gradually introduce him and At first, he's reacting to everybody, but within a few days, he stayed here a week. Within a few days, he liked everybody, everybody, even the annoying intact males. I mean, he liked everybody. He was good with the foo-foo dogs and the big dogs. So I had to go to the neighborhood with this lady and walk him around there and show everyone. Go in and out of stores, go around the cafe she likes to go to, go to the supermarket she likes to tie him outside, all this kind of stuff, right? Like just... Proof to her, proof to him, proof to everyone. This dog likes everybody. And now it's done. But can you imagine the bad luck moving in there? (laughs) And it is two ways, right? I mean, this dog was getting... Yeah, can you explain that a little bit? Well, dogs are very, very reactive to human responses. And uh, in fact, actually, there's there's some new data which shows that there's a place in the dog's brain which reacts specifically to positive and negative responses from human beings. So if they're, dogs are social beings, and if they're getting sort of hostile responses, then, of course, they begin to act defensively. And this is, this is part of the problem which we find in a number of behavior problems. Like, you know, you have a woman who says that, that when she's out walking her dog on leash, the dog gets very hostile whenever any other dog comes close. Well, then you come and you take a look and you see that, in fact, what she's been doing all along is that she's been feeling a bit insecure and she's been hauling back on the leash. That takes the dog, pulls his front legs off the ground so he looks like he's rearing. 
And, of course, another dog who sees a dog rearing at them takes that as a hostile response and so responds aggressively. And then the dog, uh, after a while, now begins to look at any new dog which coming toward him. And he says, every dog I've approached has acted hostily. I'm going to act defensively. So we are very often triggering these responses in our dogs. You know, I have that sometimes with a person who their dog is, loves them so much considers them so weak and thinks they need protection. It's usually the lady, not always though. And, you know, the dog will be perfectly good for the guy who's a big tough guy. But the lady, when the lady walks the dog, every time she gets nervous because she's so afraid her dog's going to misbehave, he misinterprets that and he thinks she's nervous and scared of that oncoming dog or person. And he starts to go into protection mode. I pick up the leash, and sometimes I'm half the size of these ladies. I pick up the leash, and the dog's completely mellow. He knows I'm not worried about the dog coming up or the person coming up, and he totally relaxes. Give it back to her, and he's protecting his fragile little owner. And I have to teach these ladies to, you know, not be so nervous. Relax. It's okay. It's so I can to teach them. Yeah, and generally speaking, I mean, you know, it's the sort of thing which I tell people, slack your lead and let the dogs meet each other. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that they'll turn the leashes into puppy macrame, you know, by twisting around or that sort of thing. And But it, generally speaking, you know, the dogs work it out perfectly well on their own. So, okay, I want to just let everybody know I've been talking about all these different dogs that I work with. That's because I'm at Camp Good Dog, and it's five acres, and it's covered in snow right now. And if you want to see some of my dogs and puppies and everybody, all the guests playing in the snow and wearing antlers and costumes, you just go to Camp Good Dog. Go to Camp Good Dog on Facebook, and you can see all that. Plus, we still have space for Christmas. Uh, Not lots of space, but some spaces. So call us right away, and we can book you in if you're in the Vancouver area anywhere. We do pick up and drop off all through the Lower Mainland. And I want to thank all the voters who vote us A-list number one kennels yet again. So we keep winning and we're happy to keep winning because we make your dog so happy when they're here. So if you need your dog picked up and brought to camp because you want to go on a holiday or you've got lots of relatives coming or all of a sudden you just found out someone's allergic or the carpets are coming because someone got you a nice gift and you want your dog gone for a few days, we can pick him up or you can drop him off and we'll show him a great time. And, well, at least right now, there's a ton of snow to play in out here at camp. Good dog. So we still have space. All right, Stan. So I promised you if I made you talk about the pit bull issue, I would let you have some time to talk about the dogs you truly love. So how about it? What's well, your favorite breed, Dr. Stan Corrin? <laughs> I like kissy face dogs, okay? And so, you know, for me, they're very often sporting dogs, uh, some of the little hounds, and, of course, spaniels. Now, do you know where spaniels get their name? The, no, the Sp- Spain. They, they, I mean... They, Spain, yes, you're, you're right. The Span comes uh, in Spaniel. It comes from Espanol, okay? okay? And generally speaking, dogs are either named after the person who created them. Or, um, so we, we get people like Doberman Pinscher or uh, after Herr Doberman or the Jack Russell Terrier after Parson Jack Russell and that sort of thing. Or yeah, most, I want to talk to both those fellas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, but no, most typically after the place which they come from. So we have an Irish Terrier, an English Pointer, that sort of thing. So you would then think that Spaniels must have been developed in Spain. But it turns out that at the time when the Spaniel breeds were being developed, not 
one breed of Spaniel was developed in Spain. So why do we name these dogs Spaniels? Well, the reason is that at that time, the great myth was that the greatest lovers in the world came from Spain. Uh-huh. So, the, so these kissy-faced dogs, oh, regardless funny. of the realities, had to have come from... I think so, it's Italy now. I think people think of Italy and Sicily as the, you know, the place of lovers. Or maybe it's Paris. I don't know. But yeah, I could see that. They are... Okay, so in that group, you kind of named a big group. that When you said sporting, you're talking about retrievers? Retrievers. Retrievers I, are, I think, as a group, probably the sweetest dogs uh, in the universe, except for the Chesapeake, which is, has, was bred also to be a, a guard dog, to sort of guard the, uh, the little uh, carts full of uh, dead ducks. But almost all the retrievers are really quite sweet. You get Okay, uh, so how come there's bite differences rates between the colors, and how come, to me... Chocolate labs seem to be so much more hyper. What, what's with that? Well, that has to, that's probably true. You can rank order the labs. The, the calmest and uh, uh, the most affectionate are black, uh, followed by yellow, followed by chocolate. Um, and that simply has to do with the way that, that the uh, uh, genes are linked up. Uh, the same place on the uh, DNA uh, where you have the color coding also happens to code certain proteins which are involved with activity level. So that's oh, just is one. that true for other dogs? That's not true for poodles, though. I don't notice any difference in temperament depending on color with my poodles. Well, the 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 first data actually came out of England, and it looked at uh, cocker spaniels, and it found that solid colored cocker spaniels, especially in amber uh, or black, uh, had the highest uh, Bite. Uh, bite rate. I, uh, I knew that before you said it. I remember the 80s. I remember when they were the most popular dog and I was getting two calls a week for little yellow cockers who'd bitten children. Yeah, I remember that. But it's not the breed. You can train a cocker to be good. You just oh, have yeah. to keep in mind when you have a tiny, tiny dog and a tiny, tiny person, there's conflict there. The dog can get hurt so easily, right? No, and, and especially if you have a toy spaniel, like, you know, uh, one of my favorite breeds is the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. They're great sucky-faced dogs. I mean, my youngest daughter calls them love sponges. Or the uh, the smallest of the toy Spaniels, the Papillon. You know, uh, th- th- those dogs can be fairly fragile. So, you, you know, you have to be careful. I mean, if, a, if you own a Roddy and a Papillon, well, you know, if the Roddy gets excited, you know, and he steps back, you know, you can break the leg of your, of your little toy Spaniel. So you, you, you have to be careful with those dogs. That's one of the reasons why uh, I have a fondness for beagles. Now, everybody, oh. whenever, whenever I say <laughs> that, goes, don't you believe your own research? Beagles are seven from the bottom in terms oh, of working. Oh, my gosh. Defiant, strong-willed, uh, just... The, the memory, like, I saw a squirrel in that tree last year, so I will bark at that tree today. I mean, really, they test my patience. I love them, and they take that, a pounding from children, but oh, my gosh. That's, but you see, you just, you just hit the reason why, you know, when people say, why did you get a beagle? Don't you believe your own research? And I told them I got a beagle because I needed a beagle. I have nine grandchildren, so I needed a dog who was relatively indestructible, and who was incredibly sociable. And they are that. They are sucky-faced yeah. dogs. 
Okay. And and, and she'll and, never hold a grudge, right? Not smart that, enough to remember. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's the beauty, you know. <laughs> that's this not is beauty, that's <laughs> idiocy. No, he, he looks at that child and he forgets that that's the kid who twisted my ear an hour ago. Okay? Oh, yeah, no, my poodle would remember for life. It'd be I, watching that kid. I'm watching you uh, for life. It would be wary of that one child if it did something wrong to it intentionally. But so if it did something wrong to it by accident, the poodle would forgive. Poodles understand intent. And I don't know if you're going to dispute that, but I know they do. No, I wasn't going to dispute that. I was going to say <laughs> that, that uh, beagles don't care if it was intended or not. They've, they are just sociable. So, if, you know, if, if, if you happen to have stepped on their paw, you know, this hour, uh, and an hour later you invite them up on the sofa next to you, uh, they're going to snuggle up next to you. And so, uh, you know, for, for the purpose that I needed, which is I needed a dog, which was incredibly sociable uh, because I had young grandchildren, well, then I got a beagle. Now, you know, the kids are now growing up, so the beagle, unfortunately, has passed, and he has not been replaced by another beagle because, you know... No, uh, because I, enough of that, right? Enough well, of that. Well, no, it's not enough of that. It's just he's <laughs> that, that, that quality in the dog is no longer needed. Now I need a dog who's smart enough to outsmart my growing grandchildren. Yeah. And, well, and, and I don't want them, I don't want them aligned beagles they do have their purposes it's just that woo 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 at stuff that's not even happening anymore that gets a bit old don't you think well uh, you know and you look at the tree and there's nothing in it well the you, nothing. See, you see you have <laughs> you have to recognize you know the beagle is really a nose and a stomach on feet Okay, that's that's what he is, and and he's you know he can he can be a wonderful dog. I mean, you know, it was it was because of me that Agriculture Canada, you know, eventually put beagles in the airport inspection thing because the, oh, you know, they're so perfect. Nobody's and, scared of those little guys, and they don't stop sniffing. They're perfect. That was that, you, nice that one. Was, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they should be there. That is a good job for them. And the Jack Russells and the Dobies. The only problem I have with Jack Russells and Dobies, they're both so smart they train up so fast with me but they really do take advantage of owners who are not strong-willed and so if you're a marshmallow don't get one they'll well, challenge I, you every day well in dobies there's a huge sex difference you know the boys mm. are much closer to being mush buckets than the girls that is and, true and so you know if you want a doby you know and you've not had a dog like that before, you know, I suggest you get a male because they're going to be more trainable. And although they're bigger, um, they, they're uh, less Yeah, big. but it would have to be neutered if you're a beginner because oh. the, okay, because yep. an intact male, I mean, I have a couple of intact poodles. I actually have three that interact with each other all the time. If they were Dobermans and they were intact, I would not be able to do that. If a, if a female in heat was around anywhere in the air, they'd just go after each other. Yeah. So, you know, you got to watch it. If, and that's the thing about, we talked about pit bulls and roddies and all these tough breeds. You do, even if you pick a mutt that just happens to look like one, you get this like super surveillance from the rest of the world. Everybody's trying to tell, I don't know if you're going to have that dog there. You know, everybody thinks they're an expert. And when I park my golden retriever outside Starbucks, no one says a word. But when I used to park my roddy hound cross or my 
by Wolf Cross. People used to like shimmy along to avoid my friendly, good-natured sweetheart there. You know, so you kind of have to watch that, right? Rules are going to apply to you. Every rule that ever was. And that sucks. Well, part of it has to do with the appearance of the dog. So, you know, you take a white dog like a Miramana or a Great Pyrenees, and people think, well, you know, that's got to be a big, friendly dog because it's they're white. And in fact... Both of them are herd-guarding dogs, and they can have a bit of a temperament problem. So, you know, you you have to be careful. Appearances are not everything. But you can use it to your advantage. So if you have a real sweet Rottweiler, you know, don't give it a black-studded macho collar. Give it a pink collar. Like, go, go for the Christmas bow. You know, go for the bandana. So people have a different impression. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And there's there is data, by the way which shows that people tend to think that black dogs are more hostile. And there's a, a phenomena in some of the uh, shelters that it's harder for them to adopt out uh, black dogs. And the cats trick, too. It's the black know, cats too. It's the, so if you're out there listening and you're in the mood to adopt an animal, go for a black dog, go for a black cat. You're going to get a better behaved animal because you're going to have way more selection because they're picked over. Nobody even looks at them. So they're going to get a great dog or cat if, if but, you're willing but, to go black. But we, we use that same sort of trick which you were talking about. When I was – I had uh, done some fundraising for the uh, the Edmonton Humane Society. This is back, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, they had these these two lovely black labs, and they were very sweet and that sort of thing. And they said that they were having trouble adopting them because nobody wanted a black dog. And so I went out to, they had a little dollar store nearby, and I bought two really flowery, paisley kind of bandanas, and I wrapped them around the dog's neck, and the dogs were adopted the next day. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's so that way. And you know what? I see some really atrocious behaved dogs, and I can tell why they were selected. You know, they they happen to have blue eyes. They happen to have freckles. They happen to have a spot. But, you know, like people, look at the behavior when you pick your dog. Exactly. This is not what you should be choosing by. No. Okay, well, you know what? We've run out of time, but I really want to keep talking to you. So can we come back and do another show? I've got all these why questions people have sent in to me. You know, why does my cat do this? Why does my dog do this? Somebody asked why their dog doesn't lift his leg yet. And um, it reminded me years ago of when I was trying to get one of my children, my son, to use the toilet. And I asked this expert about it. You know, when's he going to get rid of the diapers? When, when, when? He's already two and a half, you know. And he said, don't worry. By the time he gets married, he won't be wearing diapers. Just relax. And it's like (laughs) that, you know, he doesn't lift his leg. He doesn't lift his leg. He's seven months old. Well, you know what? Get him around other boys. And he will. So some of your questions I can answer, but some of your questions I can't. Um, And Dr. Corin can. So if you have a question, a why question, why does my dog do this? Why does my cat do this? Why, Why does the, I don't know, any kind of why question you can think of, then that's really what we're looking for. If you send those questions to me at Pet Life Radio, I'll, uh, I'll ask him next time he's on the show and we're going to book, book a show right now. One I had from someone, a breeder, is um, I, I once substituted a puppy that I bought in with a nursing litter. And I always, it always seemed like the mother dog 
thought of the substitute as one of her puppies. Is that true? Or did she know the difference? I think she knew the difference. What do you think? No, they'll accept pretty much anything, especially a, uh, a newly whelped uh, female. The, the real trick is that if, when the pup first comes into the litter, mm-hmm. the female is going to recognize that this is, this is new and this is strange. But within an hour, the dog has taken on the scent of all of the puppies that it's, it's, it's in with. And so it no longer appears to be strange, and it's usually accepted. So it really has to do with scent, at least in the very beginning. Okay, so that explains something. I had a golden retriever, had her first litter of golden doodles, and I happened to have a a poodle that, you know, was sort of staying, staying here briefly. And he was weaned. He was not nursing. And she was... She started nursing him, and he was, you know, different breed from her litter and older than her litter, much bigger, and she just got him back on the milk. So you think she thought he was one of hers, freakishly old and a different breed, but one of hers? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, if, <laughs> if, if they're in the same place and they take on the same – the same, Oh, funny. You know, there's – it reminds and me of – And does he think that's his new mom? Like he no. has no – no, no, he knows that's not mom. <laughs> no, so he's he, freeloading. He's he's working the system. Dogs don't have the same response toward mums the way that humans do. Okay, so it's it's another member of his pack or uh, or his family who uh, who we could take advantage of, but it's not mom. I now, mean, what about years and years ago? I did something similar. Only the female that I had did not nurse the poodle pup I brought in with her golden doodle litter. This is like. Well, nine years ago, she did, she did not nurse the new one. She loved the new one, and they, they were best buddies her whole life. But uh, that the poodle's nine now. The golden passed last summer. But did she think that was her offspring, just for some reason weaned earlier than the others? Or did she sub- not, not feed it because she knew it was different? Well, it, it could be something as simple as the fact if, if the, it was put into the litter when it was a little bit older, and if it went to suckle and it bit too hard, then it was not going to be allowed back. I mean, it's that simple. So, What about the other pups? Could they have forced her out? Would they have known her as an outsider? Well, there is a struggle. I mean, depending on the number of, of teats that the dog has and the number of pups that you have, uh, there is a, a struggle at the at the milk bar. But it, generally speaking, it's more likely to be the adult who does who who, who uh, controls the access. Okay, I understand. Wow. Okay, so it's been so good talking to you. I did ask one of my listener questions. We've got more. We've got a question about a golden retriever who loves too much. Definitely met some of those. We've got a question about a blue healer and bones and um, a cat that is fascinated by water, a cat that attacks dogs. We've got a whole bunch of questions. So I hope you'll come back, and hopefully I'll have some more for you. Well, I'm perfectly willing to come back. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. It's been a great party at Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And me, Dab Wolf, I'm your host. If you want to see my gorgeous animals and all my visiting guests playing in snow and dressed up for Christmas, go to Camp Good Dog Facebook. And um, I'll be back soon with another show with Dr. Corin. So send me your questions. Until next time, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.